And of course, uh, the key issue of being a little bit creative and innovative, okay, disruption again. Because I'm thinking outside the box, thinking laterally. In a, in, in a place like Nigeria where management leadership is failing very badly, automatically creativity, creativity and innovation becomes the new management. Welcome everybody to another episode of Dr. Tosin's podcast and today I've got a very fantastic guest. His name is Douglas Emeka Oka. Douglas is a consultant neurosurgeon um, who trained in the UK and um, interestingly moved back to Nigeria, one of the few bright brains that did that and um, he's here to give us an insight as to what has been going on and his tag phrase is Nigerian patients are worth it. And we're talking about that today, his experiences in the Nigerian system, how we can improve the healthcare system, and what best he feels that doctors in diaspora, Nigerian doctors in diaspora, can do to help the Nigerian healthcare system. And this also goes for all healthcare professionals, including nurses, physiotherapists, occupational therapists, the likes. Have a listen and tell me what, how you feel. Um, as usual, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast like the podcast and share on all your social platforms this is one of the interesting episodes regarding our country nigeria okay so basically you you've said it all my name is douglas emeka oko i don't do the title thing whether doctor or mister most of them when i introduce myself my name is douglas emeka oko forget about the doctor or the mister okay so um, basically i did my uh, primary secondary medical school in, in Nigeria, went to University of Benin, same with, same with you as well. And then I left Nigeria in early 2006 to pursue my dreams to become a brain surgeon in the UK. Um, that was a very challenging experience, but somehow I got through that. Um, completed my training in 2000. Yeah, that's fine. To become a, a skull-based uh, neurovascular neurosurgeon. And then, um, Moved back to Nigeria in August 2016, was free flopping initially, spending a few months in UK and in Nigeria, and then finally fully moved back to Nigeria in May 2017. And since I've moved back to Nigeria, I've been doing lots of complex spinal stuff as well. So in terms of my sub-specialization, it is skull base, yeah. um, neurovascular, and complex spinal as well. So that's just a bit about me. Take a quick break here to um, give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Giddy Jobs. Um, you can get them at giddyjobs.com, located um, both in the United Kingdom and in Nigeria. Um, Giddy Jobs is uh, one of forward thinking recruitment agencies um, founded by like minded, um, innovative individuals um, looking at getting better jobs and opportunities out to people. Then, if you're not registered on giddyjobs.com, then what are you doing? If you're based in Nigeria, Lagos, um, anywhere in the country of Nigeria, especially, and you are either new to the country, a returnee, or uh, looking for a job, this is a, one of the good places to jump on. Um, they stand out in the fact that they help you optimize your CV, uh, match it to the right jobs um, that are out there. And this also goes for um, companies seeking to employ the right individuals. Giddy Jobs has taken time out to vet their candidates, and this is one of the best places to get like-minded people that should match and fit into the person specification and job opportunities that you have. 
that's giddyjobs.com and um, get on the website register as you can and um, for those there looking for jobs upload your cvs and then they will get in touch with you giddyjobs.com yes i see i see that um from recent times one of the things i've seen you doing is um leading seminars um hot topics and trainings for other medical professionals and other people generally on neurocritical care and its importance. Um, just segueing slightly, the healthcare system in Nigeria, you've taught, I've listened to a lot of your talks on both our Rise TV channels on the challenges we face there. And I, you are someone that is very, very passionate about the, how you described it, the Nigerian health ecosystem. Um, we, one of the things I like to find out from medical professionals is where do you see, um, what do you see is going on in Nigeria and what do you think we need to do? How do, how do we start the change back home to continue? Well, uh, uh, I think in terms of the pushing for the change is multi-pronged, it cannot be one thing. Okay, it's a combination of things. One of the things that I, I, I state very clearly every time I'm, 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 I'm being interviewed is that no individual group uh, organization, state, province, country, region does well without pressure. You need some level of pressure. You have to actually, you have to do well. Okay, you need to actually be so need some pressure to actually push you to actually up your game, to actually do well. Okay, so what the Nigerian healthcare system or sector needs, like any other sector in Nigeria that is struggling, and see most of the sectors in Nigeria are struggling. Whether you talk about education, health, banking. Um, most of them are struggling, but I think it's, it's, it's more painful in healthcare because healthcare actually deals with life and limb. So I think it's a little bit more, more painful there. Now, how do you actually make that change? Because it's multi-pronged, it's not one thing at all. One of, one, of the, one of the key things I'm really passionate about is what we are doing now on your podcast, and that's about actually providing information for Nigerians. We need to empower Nigerians with information. And what that happens is that the Nigerians will start putting pressure on the systems, whatever the system is, be it at primary level, care, secondary level, care, tertiary level, care, and that will now make all these systems start, you know, start, um, sort of improving their standards and raising, raising their, their banner, banner in terms of their standards and, and all that. So one of the key things is pressure. You need to put pressure on the system. Most of the things that, that, that I do is I'm actually more into disruption. You know, so disruption actually puts pressure. In Nigeria, we are used to doing things in a particular way. One of the things that my presence has done, at least in my own small um, area of influence, is to actually disrupt things, to actually make people start thinking about how they do things and how they act. Okay, so it's, it's multi-pronged, it's not one thing. Okay, I like that term. I like that term that you use, disruption. So it's dis disrupting the status quo. Um, Absolutely. From I think it's one of it's what is is one of the new things going on. How we the sectors you change change what the tradition is and flip it on its head and do something completely different. Because you know what Absolutely. they say is that we've been doing the same thing for this number of years and it hasn't worked. So something has to give. Absolutely, absolutely, Tyro. Do you mind? Do you absolutely. mind sharing and like an, a small example of any like a form of disruption that can happen or people can think about? If there are any other healthcare people with passion listening that they might try in their own ecosystem. Okay, so so basically one of one of the things I've really pushed for, I've really pushed for is more of engagement with quality improvement processes. Okay, I'll give you an example. You you, you have you have a situation where maybe a patient and the family they are 
they, they have complaints, they are, really, they, they are not happy about the care that they provided. And one of the things that I, I tried to do was say, okay, if you, if you have issues with the care you provided, why don't you make, it, make a formal complaint and stuff like that? And I found out that man, from the healthcare provider side or even management, they are always scared that, oh no, they shouldn't complain. If anybody complains, then usually they will, they will, be, they will be scapegoating. They will look for somebody, somebody will look for somebody to ask me, oh, this um, complication or this problem that this patient had or these worries that this patient has or concerns, they are going to scapegoat one person. And so one of the things that push, especially in, in some of the things that we are providing care, is that, hey, no, it's not about scapegoating. It's about all of us pulling together, reviewing things, going through that quality problem, having discussions, actually moving towards a point where we can actually have guidelines, protocols, and stuff that can actually help us. Any, anything that happens, we have to learn from it. Okay, so that, that's one, one of the one of the strategies that I keep pushing. So now, now again, if something happens with a patient, maybe and there's a complication or there, there are problems that happen with, with the patient or with the family and all that. You see me making sure that when that all the teams that were involved and all the the the, the, the people and teams who are involved in the care of that patient actually push for a meeting to happen, so we can actually review the issues that come up with COVID that is actually. Just a prescribed recommendations of how we can actually learn from those and how you can actually get better. So that's, that's one, of, one of the key things I've done. Trying to make, make them make just a, the, the system or the organizations where we know that like, hey, just a, we have to actually push for quality improvement processes, pull together, look at, at different things, and actually start uh, you know, developing guidelines and, and guidance within our own system, what can actually work for us. Because one of the things I talk about is the global way, isn't it? Thinking globally, but acting locally. You cannot move anything from Canada or UK or US and come and put it in Nigeria, hook and sinker. You must adapt to the system here in Nigeria. One of the things I keep telling people is that, hey, the only way you can solve Nigerian problems is the Nigerian way, the best Nigerian way. Of course, you have to look at international best practices and all that. So that's, that's one of the examples I'll give, actually pushing for quality improvement processes. Nice, nice. So we need to learn from feedback, essentially, and not, not be afraid of feedback as um, healthcare professionals back home. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned, you've talked about the guidelines and protocols. Um, and uh, yeah, as you're well aware, in the UK, they've got um, NICE, the National Institute of Clinical Excellence. Are we mm. now forming something similar at home, or do we have one already? Obviously, there's the MDCAN, themselves, but is there mm. body that is independent of MDCAN or, or like um, an offshoot that is looking to get all these things out in place, for instance? Do you know any of any or do you, are you working on any? Uh, I think one nice nice as as a as an organization that pushes for quality and standards and, and stuff like that. Um, or the CQC, for example, those yeah. are bodies in, in, in UK, for example, that actually push for standards and, and all that. In Nigeria, looking, if, you, if you're trying to look for a body that for, for me, and at a national level, for example, that actually pushes for those things, it is a major struggle. One of the fundamental problems we have with Nigeria is regulation. Regulation is extremely weak. You know, it's extremely weak. And so, one of the, one of the problems that you have in, in, in a place like Nigeria, and probably maybe other, other African countries, sub Saharan African countries, is that you're now you're now depending on the individual to have what, what we call local policy to use his church mind. You know, so the individual does say, okay, um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll do well for the patient, I'll do good and stuff like that. And I keep telling them that cannot work. Okay, you actually have to have some sort of regional, organizational, or national 
um, platforms that actually can push things in terms of standards, terms of critical excellence and stuff. And so far, we are struggling with that. One of the, one of the things that we sort of the halfway house that we have in Nigeria is that you actually have associations and organizations or groups of healthcare professionals that try to actually create their own standards. For example, in um, obstetrics and gynecology, you have the Society for Obstetrics and Gynecology of Nigeria. Is it, for example, they actually try to push for, for guidelines for things like cervical cancer screening and stuff like that. Okay. Um, presently, the Nigerian Academy of Neurological Surgeons. Okay, they are try, they are pushing for a particular guideline in terms of management of um, of severe head injury and stuff. Like that. So, so there are those sort of organizations, association, some of health professionals that are trying to move. But at a national level, from the Federal Ministry of Health, for example. Okay, yeah, you do have some sort of policy statements, white papers here and there, and stuff like that. But when it comes to having a body, you know, like NICE, for example, the CQC that look at regulation and look at uh, things like clinical excellence and standards and stuff like that, we don't, we don't really have that yet. Okay, 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 all right. So I think it's like you said, there are at least there are pockets and organizations that are doing things that people can use and work with. Okay, so at least it's something people can go on, all right. I mean, what we've talked about how um, what the healthcare sector looks like uh, for doctors abroad, for instance, there are give or take. I think at the count of there are more almost ten thousand Nigerian doctors based in the UK. Uh, if I was mm. plus or minus, um, there's the like the group uh, the group that you are part of as well, the Mansa group, and there's the group that we've got the NDUK Nigerian doctors in UK. Off the top of my head, they have more than seven thousand yeah. members. So, as a group in diaspora, yeah. what can what would you say to all the doctors? What can they do as their own contribution? What can each person do, either as an individual or as a group, that can at least turn a tiny screw of progress? I think I think time will use a question I get asked most of the time because some I'm like a bridge, isn't it? So yeah. I get asked this question most of the time. And one, the first thing I'll say regarding this is that hey wherever you are, okay, as a healthcare professional, not, not just doctors, nurses, you know, the physiotherapists, uh, and the likes, wherever you are, whether you're in UK, Canada, Australia, uh, Northern Ireland, the USA, or whatever, whatever happens within the healthcare system in Nigeria will affect you because you have probably have parents, siblings, relatives in Nigeria. Mm. Okay, and I remember once upon a time on one of the platforms where UK doctors platform, someone was telling me, oh, I've taken on a real big job here. I hope I succeed. And I, my reply to him was this, I hope for your sake I succeed as well. And of course, generally, most of the time, whenever the, these are my, my colleagues are abroad, whenever they have any of their family members that runs into trouble with the neurosurgical problem. Guess who they call? They call they're actually don't really grateful that's all like the Okay, so so basically, how can they, how can the Nigerian diaspora in terms of the healthcare professionals, how can they support what's happening in Nigeria? Key things, you know, is actually just dedicating their time and resources. Okay, now let me state this very clearly, Taiwo. Coming back to Nigeria is not for everybody. Every healthcare professional, Nigerian healthcare professional, as in Nigeria, cannot come back to Nigeria. It is not for babies. You have to have some grit and some extreme stamina to have you know, like, So I keep telling people that people think I'm so so Ajebo. You know Ajebo? Look upon us Ajebo. I'm not an Ajebo in the movie. I'm a real Paku area boy. You know, that's why someone like me can survive in Nigeria. 
Anyhow, they want to do that. If they want to do that, pitching English, we will speak. If they want to speak English, anyhow, I, I'm ready for them. Okay? So it's not for everybody. You have to have that extra passion, that extra motivation, and you have to, like I said, have stamina. So it's not for everybody. So everybody does not need to come back. But I expect a significant number of Nigerian healthcare professionals outside Nigeria in the diaspora to commit their time and resources. So, for example, okay, people can take um, sabbaticals. Two months, three months, six months. I come and support what, what, whatever area in, in Nigeria. One of the key problems we have in Nigeria is human resource for health. And the, what I'm talking about is actually their capacity in terms of knowledge, experience, competence. It is extremely weak. Now, one of the things that we and time we have this that what we're doing, we have technology, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. We are planning a new critical care course where we are actually going to do a, a, a physical venue and virtual Zoom uh, combined together in, in one. Okay. So it's all about using that technology to actually build capacity of the healthcare professionals in, in Nigeria. And of course, when, when things, for example, like oh, contributing money to actually build clinical skills labs and stuff, uh, maybe in the universities where they are actually went to. So those are things that they can actually do. Everybody cannot come back to Nigeria, but they can contribute. So those are two key things, building capacity in terms of training, and secondly, committing resources to things like, like clinical um, skills labs and stuff like that. Marvelous, marvelous. I think, that's, that, I think that's one of the things that a lot of us have struggled with. We keep cracking our mind, okay, what can you do? I personally, obviously, mm. I had come back for a while, but I've come, I came back to the UK. And like you said, mm. I found it a big struggle just to try mm. and adapt my mentality back to what was going down at home. Um, yeah. Continuing on that, I, I just realized, I remember you've got, you've, you have got a charity that you set up, um, the Ashanti Graham Hive Association, is that correct? Yeah, the Ashanti Graham Health and Education Initiative Foundation. Foundation, yes. And if I'm, I know, I, I know the names came from both of your kids, Ashanti and Graham. So that, that, yes, that's Ashanti like Graham. I, I watched one of the videos, I was like, oh, cool, that's where that came from. And there's a lot, a lot that yeah. they've been doing as well. Do you mind just shedding some light as to where they focused on, what they can do, and how other people can be involved as well? So, so basically, Basically, the, the Ashanti, we'll call it Ajif for short. So Ajif was um, uh, was started up, is a charity that is registered in Nigeria, uh, a non-governmental organization. So it was started up by my wife and I said, my wife is Loretta Boro, but she's a gynecologist. So it was started up by both of us in 2010. Okay, 2000, so that's almost 10 years ago now. And basically, what we were just trying to do was to stimulate change within the healthcare system. Um, we, we then we said our, our our push was 21st century healthcare for Nigeria, which means the kind of healthcare that is of some, some level of standard, similar to what we have we have in places like UK, Europe, US, Australia, stuff like that. So that, that was our push, and then, so we focused on a few things. We focused on number one on trying to actually show, especially the young people in in, in, in young healthcare professionals in Nigeria. I mean, hey, there are some things that can be done. So we donated equipment going to millions, you know, to. Um, and specifically the neurosurgical units and the obstetrics and gynecology units in the University of Benetitious, where both of us, where we trained as yeah. medical students. Okay, so we are going to millions to those uh, to, to those um, 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 departments, basically um, in, in Nigeria. And then one of the other things we've done was to try and motivate, like I said, the 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 young healthcare professionals who are who are coming up. And so we started what we call the Ashanti Graham um, uh, Prize. 
an award for the best student in surgery. So usually when the uh, medical students uh, that graduated to become doctors in their induction ceremony, we actually we, we were given a prize of a laptop and 100 pounds. And in the last two years, somebody else started supporting us. And now we are giving 200 pounds and a brand new laptop to the best field in surgery. You know, now you know that there are different courses that you study yes. before you actually complete your, your your, your, your medical education to become a doctor. Now we picked up surgery, and that's because my myself and my wife, we are surgeons, my that's wife is a gynecologist, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a, a, brain, a brain surgeon. So we picked up surgery. And so what, what we're trying to do is that, hey, yeah, what, what we're trying to do is that, hey, there's space for, pedi for, for pediatrics, space for medicine, space for pathology, and other people who are in UK or the US or whatever, can actually start doing their own awards for those people. It's just to try and inspire Yes, that people to do better and all that. And I can tell you, we've been running this um, award last nine years now. And if I each of them had a laptop and 100 pounds on each. Okay, so we've been doing this for the last nine years. And if you look at the data in terms of the way uh, the students are performing in surgery, it has significantly improved. You know, they, in fact, the, the, the Ashanti Graham Prize for new for best in surgery is you know, like the highlight of the, the induction ceremony in university of Benin, the teaching uh, in university of Benin, in terms of the couple yeah i mean i watched a couple yeah, watched one from three years ago i think i watched that one it was quite yeah quite a feat that's that honestly like you said it actually now gives opportunity for someone to come and do something similar at like a spin-off for medicine pediatrics yeah. as well so it does make a lot of sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so one, 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 one of the things I've done, one of the things I and my and of course my wife as well with with this organization, with other things that we do, is to actually stimulate change. And we one of the things that we, we lead from the front. We, if you notice, I don't just make noise. You know, you always see me taking just action as well. Yeah, there's always action for whatever I'm doing. I don't just make noise. Sorry, did you get that? So, so, so. That, that, that's 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 the, the, the key thing. Actually, taking action is absolutely important. It is that those actions that actually motivate. I can tell you that there there are, there are hundreds of, of young you know, medical students, nurses, healthcare professionals that you know even from from afar, mentor from afar, just by seeing the kind of work I do and the, the push and all this zeal and passion that put in, they are they are motivated, and that's how you can actually bring change. Bring change, and of course. Yeah, the key issue of being a little bit creative and innovative, okay, disruption again. Because yeah. thinking outside the box, thinking laterally. In a, in, a, in a place like Nigeria where management leadership is failing very badly, automatically creativity, creativity and innovation becomes a new management. So before we continue, I just want to touch on the T-shirt you are wearing. I mean, it says doconwheels.ng. For those that can't see on YouTube and listen on the podcast, um, just wearing a t-shirt that says Doc on Wheels.ng. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Actually, actually, actually Doc on Wheels is um, one of my junior colleagues, Kenny. He's actually his brainchild, um, him and his team. What, what they were trying to do, you know, with the coronavirus, that, that, um, all the issues with coronavirus and people not being able to go into a hospital, people being scared of going to a hospital. Mm. Of course, we know why. One of the things we were trying to do was to try and uh, uh, establish an Uber-style healthcare, primary healthcare provision system, okay, yeah. where there's uh, somebody in the, in the comfort of their own house goes onto an app, okay, and then tries to get the closest doctor to him or her, okay, and actually come and provide some sort of home service. And of course, it's going to be mainly issues to do with primary level care, 
Yeah. Okay, so that, that's doctors on wheels. That's that's what, so that Uber styled um, primary healthcare provision service. Okay, using a, a mobile app. So that's what Thank you so much, Douglas. So the key takeaway message for doctors in or healthcare professionals in Padaspera, especially, is that dedicate your time and resources. Um, everyone probably expect us to all chip in at some point to do that. Um, moving back is not for everyone. And um, if you can help the capacity building through training programs, something similar to what you're doing, the neurocritical care program, that will also be handy. So Douglas, before we round up the podcast, um, for my guests, I usually tend to ask um, some thoughtful questions for people to ponder about. Um, so I've got three for you. The first one is in the last five years, um, are there any habits or habits that you have picked up that you've found to have boosted your productivity? A, a, a few things for me, because I'm naturally, I'm not a very patient person. <laughs> I'm very, very patient. So coming back to Nigeria with the difficulties in Nigeria, the inefficiencies, the gaps within the system and so I've, I've had to learn how to be patient, okay? Uh, things don't, don't come like you have to learn some patience. Um, second thing I've actually learned, or second, second skill I've actually tried to build up is the ability to listen, to listen a little bit more. Mm. Okay, I've tried that. I'm not, I won't say I'm a great listener yet, but I'm definitely much better than, than, than before I came back to Nigeria. And of course, um, not, it's not a new skill, but a skill I probably always have, but I've had to actually build up on it a little bit more. And that's the skill of actually being creative and innovative. Okay, you have in a place like Nigeria, you have to think outside the box, man. You know, in a place like UK, you, know, you need this, you have it to get it. So no, in a place like Nigeria, you have to find other ways of doing things. <laughs> you have to be very, very innovative. Um, very, very innovative. If not, you you struggle, you struggle. Yeah. Okay. So I can think about three things that I picked up. You have number yeah. one, patience. Number two, listen a little bit more. And number three, okay, just there are some really, really um, just building up on, on those innovative juices and stuff, and actually I'm a very pragmatic human being. I don't, uh, I keep telling you, I'm not an academic person. You know, everything, in my, if I think of stats or numbers and stuff, in my mind, I say, say, all this is how am I going to apply them in real life to actually impact on people? Fair enough, fair enough. Good, man. Mm. If there was one thing you could change about Nigeria or Nigerian people, what would that be? Mm. Oh, absolutely the attitude. <laughs> absolutely the attitude. The attitude is mm, mm, mm. Let, let, let me not use words that, that, that people would like. The attitude is mm, mm. a lot of words with the attitude. That's what we'll say. Okay, okay. Absolutely. Thank you for that. So the third question, um, I know you actually mentor a lot of junior doctors and medical students in Nigeria. And um, you're a role model to a lot of people. Um, but for you yourself, um, who would you say has influenced you or has been a mentor to you? Um, it could either be someone you know personally, have met physically, or someone you look up to or have read books regarding them. Hmm. Role models. Role models. I, I think... Role models, um, in terms of having someone directly, someone I'm actually looking at physically, someone I talk to and, and stuff like that, uh, I've struggled with actually having role models in terms of physical role models, I've struggled with having role models. But yeah, there's this gentleman, Biodo Ogumbo, who actually trained me in the UK, came back to Nigeria about seven years ago, and then when I actually moved back to Nigeria, I joined him, 
he actually demystified neurosurgery for me. So now and again, when I when I give talks like this, I always I, I call his name, and we are not together anymore um, in terms of doing stuff together. Um, so, but in terms of role models, my role models are from afar. There's some people like um, um, uh, I remember when I was like 25, yeah. and uh, uh, Ben Carson. You know, my uh, my wife had bought like, like a few of his books for me and stuff. So that's one, one of my role models. And believe it or not, Barack Obama. You know, one of my role models. I, I remember one of his, his commitment speech in I think was it 2008 um, in one of the, 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 the schools, and he was talking about um, really really important. He was talking about um, uh, building up your your body of work. That's the word. He was talking about your body of work. Okay, and I think that's that's extremely important. Your body of work. It doesn't come in one day. It is the accumulation of everything that you've been doing. You know, that gets to the point that people now actually recognize you and understand your yeah. value as well. So that's really really important. That body should be low. to blow. You know, sir. They want to blow. Talking about Barack Obama, I'm just checking. No, in that speech, I remember Obama talked about building up. It was absolutely important. So, in terms of mentors, most of my mentors are people who I look up to as are from afar. In Nigeria, in places in Nigeria, difficult to have mentors, extremely difficult. And the reason is that because because of the the harsh economic situations in Nigeria, the very underdeveloped nature of our economy and stuff. There seems to be this thing of everybody struggling to get their own. So, of course, the selfishness is more the, 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 the ability to actually look out for people, for the people, and look out for the community is much, much less. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, that community spirit and everything is gone, and everybody's struggling for their own. And so, when people are struggling for their own, people now focus more on money, on how they can get money. People don't actually focus on how, hey, how can we improve the lives of people? How can we, okay, I've come into this space now, I've come into this organization. How do I actually improve this organization? How do we move things from this level to another? How do you improve the standard? So, usually, that is not the key thing that people are actually focused on. Because of the poverty, because of the poor economic indices, because of the struggles in terms of our, our level of development, everybody's like, hey, I need to get my own. So, you now find that people now focus more on survival yeah. than on actually what their vision should be. Okay, so, so it's, a, it's a major problem. Okay, okay. Nice, nice. So we've got Barack Obama there and Ben Carson. Yes, two great people, honestly. And I don't know, it's interesting if you have it, if you have the time to look at it. I think Barack Obama has a new book out called The Promised Land. That's why we're just checking for the title now. Someone, someone had messaged me about the book, mm. interestingly. Um, it's on my, my to-read list as one of those to-read list books that we all have. But thank you very much. Thank you so mm. much for coming on the podcast. And um, if people want no to connect with you on social media, what's the best, how is the best way to do that? Yeah, so on uh, Instagram, I'm at Douglas Ocker, and Twitter is also as well, it's at Douglas Ocker. Um, on Facebook, I'm not, I'm not Douglas Ocker, so on Facebook, I am Ashanti Graham, H-E-I-F. So H-E-I-F is, is one, so it's Ashanti Graham, H-E-I-F. Mm -hmm. Okay, for people and of course, on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, I'm Douglas Emeka Yes, I think for, for, no, for listeners, I, I'll definitely put all the handles in the description and the notes below for people to be able to contact you if they have any interest, questions, or they want to support the charity or do anything in, in that light. Uh, mm -hmm. I've got a lot of fellow colleagues that also listen to the podcast. 
All right. Thank you so much for coming on Josie's podcast. And um, do you have any final words you'd like to share before we go? Well, the, the, the final, my, my final word is this. Uh, we have struggled with the healthcare system in Nigeria for years, um, more than 40 years or so. Things have gotten really bad. Um, it is not all doom and gloom. We do have um, an opportunity to actually raise the bar in terms of the standards of providing healthcare in Nigeria. It's not going to be small work. It's going to be significant work. The diaspora, um, the healthcare community does not have a significant role to play. And I'm talking about two key areas where they can actually play that, that role. Um, now and again, I hear people talk about, oh, it's all doom and gloom. Oh, I think we should raise our hands and throw our hands up and, and give up. And one of the things I say is that giving up is actually not an option at all. It has never been an option until tomorrow. It will not be an option because, like I will always say, the Nigerian patients are worth it. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. And if you like the podcast, um, I always say, please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends on your social media platform, leave a comment, especially on iTunes and leave a review. Reviews get us rated and get us into the pockets and ears of many other people. I'd be grateful if you could do that to give us some feedback on what we can do better and whether you enjoyed it. And this is a lot, very something how we've been waiting for to speak to Dr. Dr. Douglas Emeka Oko and on how Nigerian patients are worth it. Um, his, no, his handles are all in the show notes. Get in contact with him if you have any tips or you want to help in the building of the nation's ecosystem, health ecosystem as well. Catch you on my next episode. Um, again, bringing you more guests with better, with better topics to discuss and um, going through things that can all build us up as people to build our productivity, boost our health and just boost peak performance. Till then, see you next time on another episode.